You describe these the three M's of a really good morning routine. What are those three M's of a good morning routine? What can I do today? How long is it going to take me? And what do you believe a good morning routine contains? Yeah. It's a big picture view here. I have a bias towards morning routines because I have found in my own life, they've really, really helped me. So let me just talk about stress for a moment because this really plays into why I think morning routines are so important. I've got this concept of micro stress doses and stress thresholds. So every one of us have got our own unique personal stress threshold, right? That depends on your life, how you deal with things and what's going on. And when we get to that threshold, that's when things start to go wrong. That's when we um, we snap at someone. We have a fight with our partner. Our neck goes or our back goes into spasm, right? That's when you're at your threshold, mm. right? So... I'm saying to people, and I've, I've really found this to be true for pretty much everyone. Let's say you wake up and you are far away from your threshold. You've had a good night's sleep, right? So you're feeling, you're feeling good. What's the average morning for a lot of people these days? Okay, let's say the alarm goes off at 6.30, right? So they're in a deep sleep. Alarm goes off, jolts them out of that sleep. They have to get it. Okay, that's micro stress dose or MSD number one. Okay, pick up the phone. Like, oh man, I'm just going to put it on snooze. You know, I need a bit more. Snooze, put it back. Six minutes later, it goes on again. MSD number two. You pick up your phone, you go, I'm quickly going to check email. Oh man, there were these three emails I didn't get back to yesterday. Oh man, I need to do that. MSD number three. Um, Have a quick look on Instagram. Someone's left you a snarky comment. MSD number four. Then you realize, oh man, I've been in bed for 10 minutes. I have to get up, get ready. I've got a guest coming to shoot a podcast with. I'm not talking about your life. I'm just saying anyone's life. You are talking about my (laughs) life. Right? And so here's the point. At me, Roman. <laughs> each one of those things, right, is a micro stress dose. And each one of those is getting you closer and closer to that stress threshold. The mistake we make is that when something happens at three o'clock in the afternoon, right, when that email from your colleague frustrates you, you think it was that email. But it wasn't the email. It was the fact that you've already acquired 20 micro stress doses. You're right at your threshold. You've got no capacity to deal with it. So that email now bothers you. So what I suggest to people is many people leave the house in the morning having already accumulated about 15 micro stress doses. So they're already a lot closer to their threshold than they would have otherwise been, which means they've got less resilience. They won't take much for them to get triggered. Right? So why I think morning routines can be so valuable is they can reduce how many micro stress doses you're exposed to first thing in the morning. So you are going into your day with much more headroom and much more resilience. But I think they're also useful if you're feeling quite stressed when you wake up and anxious. I think they help almost undo the damage of micro stresses and bring you back to baseline. Was that clear? Perfectly clear. So that's my kind of overarching view on why they're so important. So for me, I know if I do that morning routine, yes, it gives me perspective on my life. It allows me to reflect, but it also um, feeds the control leg of the core happiness stool. But it also means that I'm not exposing myself to micro stressors. In fact, I'm getting back to baseline or I'm going into negative. I'm actually giving myself a lot more resilience and capability to face the day. So I always try and simplify things to people. So I think a complete morning routine for me 
has got these three M's, mindfulness, movement, mindset. And that's how I orientate my own morning routine. So I started with mindfulness. Now, I've been doing this for a few years, right? And currently my morning routine is about 30 minutes, but that's because I've created a life where I can do that and it works for me. And I get up silly early. That's also because my kids have always been early risers. And I know if I don't get that time to myself, I'm just not as good a dad and I'm not as good a husband. So my bedtime has got earlier and earlier so I can get up earlier and earlier before my kids do. Right, so I start off with mindfulness, which at the moment is a practice of breath work and then meditation. Then what I do, I go to my kitchen and I put coffee on. Now, very particular with how I do my coffee. I weigh out 15 grams in the French press. I pour 250 grams of water in and I put a timer on for five minutes. Why is that important? It's not. It's the way I like my coffee. But the point is, I know for five minutes, my coffee's going to brew. So in those five minutes, I don't go on Instagram. I don't check my email. I do a workout in my kitchen in my pyjamas. <laughs> right? I'm in my pyjamas. I'm not to put on any fancy gear. I might do a bodyweight workout. I might have a kettlebell kicking around. Whatever I feel like, I will do. And then I get the gorgeous reward of a hot, fresh cup of organic coffee that I like. And I sit there and I'll read something um, positive. Like I've got a few books kicking around in my living room. I'll just pick one that I'm drawn to. I'll probably read for about 10 minutes while sipping coffee. Something that's not negative, that's uplifting. Right, so that's what it looks like for me. Now, sometimes my daughter is currently nine. She's got a sixth sense that daddy's up and she creeps in with me. If she gets in with me, well, two things I want to say about that. <laughs> the old Rongin from a few years ago would have got frustrated. Man, I, I kind of need, you know, I want my own space. You know, why? Yeah, you know, I should have got up earlier. I don't do that anymore. I'm a lot more compassionate to myself. I use that. I go, okay, great. Okay, great. She's here. Okay, okay. Okay, darling, just sit here. Daddy's just finishing off my meditation. And she sits down and I think, okay, this is cool. Like, I don't need to look at it as a problem. This is life, right? If we think life is going to be great when everything goes our way, we're going to be waiting a long time. So I embrace it now and go, oh, fantastic. And then I also think as a dad, well, she's also now seeing daddy prioritizes his health. He thinks it's important to look after his mental well-being every day. I'm hoping that she also absorbs some of these ideas as she grows up. But the mindset piece, I don't sit there and read if my daughter's there. We instead do affirmations together. So there's really good research on affirmations in terms of what they do for us. Just short, positive, powerful statements. So the one we do together is we just say, I'm happy, I'm calm, I'm stress-free, right? So the two of us sit there, we hold hands and we say that for a minute. At the end of it, I feel brilliant, she feels amazing. Now, I get it. Some people hear that and go, that is cheesy as anything. And maybe it is, but you know what? There's good research on it. Undergraduate students who did affirmations before their exam perform better, mm. right? You know, how you program your mind matters. So that's what mine looks like, right? It used to be about five, 10 minutes. Now, yeah, I can do half an hour, right? Mm. But I've also become aligned. I've now, I go to bed earlier, right? And let's not forget, Stephen, you're at a different stage in life to me, right? I'm in my early 40s. I'm happily married. I've got two young kids, right? You're in your late 20s, right? Was I doing morning routines when I was 29? No, I wasn't. Slight clue that I texted you at 2am last night, isn't it? Yeah, well, I wake up, it's like, <laughs> oh man, like I'm getting up to do my routine and Stephen's just gone to bed. <laughs> but, but 
let me tell you about a patient who I saw many years ago. Can't remember how old she was. She's probably around 42. Really bad skin. And I strongly felt that stress was exacerbating and really aggravating her skin. And she said, Dr. Chachi, I don't have time for any of this stuff, right? I'm busy. I've got two kids. I've got to get out to work. And we tried various things, but I managed to persuade her and inspire her to try a five-minute routine. And this is what she did. She did the three M's in five minutes. It's just one minute of what I call three, four, five breathing, right? So you breathe in for three, you hold for four, and you breathe out for five. Anytime your out breath is longer than your in breath, you help to lower your body's stress response and activate its relaxation response. Okay, there's many ways you can do that, but I like this breath that I call the three, four, five breath. So she did one minute of three, four, five breathing. She did two minutes of yoga, right? She has some of her favorite sequences, she did two minutes of yoga, and then she did two minutes of affirmations. That's it, and she got on with her day. She came to see me a few weeks later, and she said, Dr. Chashi, I just feel so much better. And her skin complaints had gone down by over 50%. And over the course of the next few months, she was hardly getting any flare-ups at all because it was a ripple effect. It wasn't just that. But by doing that and giving her that little bubble of resilience first thing in the morning, she would then go out for a walk at lunchtime instead of just sitting in the canteen on her phone. She'd go, how am I going to go for a 10-minute walk around the block? You know, so for me, it's just you showing yourself right at the start of the day, you know what? I'm worth it. I'm worth spending a bit of time on today. And for me, I'm a, I've am got a bias here because if I don't do stuff like that in the morning, I don't do it. Once the day starts, forget it. And it's something that might have value for your audience, Stephen. And I, you know, I guess I'm coming in thinking, Stephen Bartlett, successful businessman, loads of entrepreneurs listening, um, thinking about, you know, business and stuff. And I'm, I, I you know, I, I kind of want to help people. And let, let's let's zoom into the middle M movement. Why is it that I'm able to do a five minute workout every day? Like I've rarely missed a day for three years. That's not because I've got more motivation than anyone else. It's because I understand the science of behavior change. Right? It's, I think it's gonna. I hope it's gonna have value for people. There's two big rules that I've learned about human behavior. Number one is if you make something easy you will do it. So what's that got to do with my morning routine? Well, I made it so easy for me to do, right? I don't need to buy any equipment. Everything's there. I don't need to get change. I don't need to look up a workout. I don't need to do it. It literally happens because I don't have to think. I've made it really easy. And to zoom this out to business for a moment, it's reported that when Amazon went to one-click ordering, it's reported their profits went up by $300 million a year, right? So let's rewind 10 years when they didn't have it. What did you have to do? Put in your order, go to the next screen, you know, type in your card deals, go to the next screen, confirm order, right? Every single step is a reason to procrastinate, pull out and not make the purchase. So what do they do? One click ordering, boom, before you blinked, something's coming that evening, right? So they're doing what I think they should do for their business. Why did Netflix roll one video or one show into the next one. It's not out of the goodness of their own hearts to go, oh, you know, let's help people. No, they're using the science of human behavior. Before you realize it's 12.30 at night, 
I need to go to bed. I've got to get it for work. You are straight into another episode. So you don't stop. That's why YouTube roll into the next video, right? So these guys understand human behavior. When we as humans try and apply it to our own health, we throw it out the window. We think oh, it's got to be hard. It's got to be really tough. I've got to go running one hour, four times a week. And we, we again, first two weeks in January, we managed to do it. Then we fall off the wagon because we think motivation is going to last forever. And it doesn't. In the science, it's called the motivation wave. Motivation comes up, motivation goes down. Plan your behaviors for when your motivation is down, not when it's up. Then you will still do it. So number one is you make it easy. I've made it easy. Number two, which is just as important, is where are you going to put this behavior? You can't just think about it. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to move. No, you need to be very intentional. Now, every single behavior we do needs a trigger, right? So a trigger could be, oh, I remembered to do it. Sure, that works. It's just the most unreliable trigger that exists. The next best trigger is like um, a notification. Like, uh, you know, oh, you've got to be here to record a podcast with Stephen. Okay, great. I know I've got to do that. Or you put a post-it note on your fridge. That's great. But the very best trigger as evidenced by the research. And a lot of this comes from Professor BJ Fogg at Stanford. Instagram was literally invented in his class as an assignment, essentially. He has shown that if you stick on your new behavior onto an existing habit, it's much more likely to happen. Like the coffee. Like the coffee. I don't need my PA to phone me at five in the morning, say, hey, wrong and listen, uh, you must remember to make your coffee. I don't need my Google Calendar notifications to pop and say, hey, wrong, don't, don't forget to make your coffee. I'm going to do that. It's locked in as a habit. I don't have to give it any conscious thought. It's going to happen. So therefore, if I stick my workout on there, I vastly increase the likelihood that it's going to happen. Add on to the fact that I keep kettlebells and dumbbells in my kitchen. My wife used to say, can we not just put these away in the cupboard? <laughs> and I said, listen, babe, here's the thing. And I've seen this with patients if you put this stuff out of the way so that the kitchen looks nice, right? I'm never gonna lift up that weight. Out of sight, out of mind. We need to constantly trigger. So uh, the kitchen's not a mess. It's just in the corner, there's a kettlebell. So as I'm making the coffee, I can see it. It's looking at me. Even if all I do is pick it up to move it, I've picked it up. And what it does, Stephen, is that on a very, on a very base primal level, it shows me each morning that I have value, that I'm worth treating with respect. You know, chapter three of the book is all about treat yourself with respect. Many of us, um, as I've done for much of my life, don't. We struggle with compassion for ourselves. We struggle to be kind to ourselves, right? But the research is really clear. People who are more compassionate to themselves, they're healthier, they're happier, they're more successful at work. We think, we think we've got to beat ourselves up inside to do stuff right? It's a myth. It's a short-term win. It's a long-term fail. And there, there are simple things that we can do. 